0: Let's welcome Sanjeev Manikthala. Good morning. Morning, morning, morning. Uh, It is always fun when the Manikthala clan turns up late. Um, (laughs) But good morning, welcome. Uh, you've probably heard who I am by now, but just as a way of formally introducing myself, I'm Jeeves, I'm um, with Ian, Adam and Andreas as part of the Eldership Team for the church. Uh, it is a great joy that we get to celebrate both these babies, there are obviously loads of babies part of the church, and I think it's such a joy that we are family that are going to raise the next generation together. I think it's a real joy just want to say this now before diving into it one to make sure that i honor what you said of me taking three hours um, i'm not don't worry a lot of you are like <laughs> Wait a it um no genuinely i won't but i am definitely will go over church you know the drill um, but also i want to say that one but two because i think it's vitally important church family that we take the next generation seriously yes. we we really need to so part of the commitment is yes for JJ and AJ but part of the commitment should be for every single child in this church to say that we will raise them up as the next generation to know the Lord. So church family, can I just commission you, though it might be my son and my darling nephew that I'm charged to, it might be that, but actually it's for every single child in this church that we are to raise up the next generation to know who the Lord is. Just want to say that now. Okay, as a church, we've been going through this series called Origins, where we've looked at Genesis and understanding what God's perfect design is and what that then means. So kind of seeing what Genesis looks like, and then from that, what that then means for everything else. Before uh, in two weeks' times, where we're going to be in Revelation. Oh, is it? Is it me? a little bit? On, okay. Um, but we're going to look at one of the last topics, looking at Genesis today: the topic of covenant. Covenant, let's see if I, yeah I did. Covenant, the backbone of the Bible. Now I've already introduced a Christian needs terminology here of the word covenant. So let's define it. What does covenant mean? Well a covenant is a binding agreement between two or more parties, stating from a place of love and bound by legal implication. The closest we have to that is marriage or adoption. Um, Tim Keller says, uh, he says the covenant is a stunning blend of law and love stunning because it's a personal relationship made more loving and intimate because it is legal it is this way oh have i turned up turn, turn, turn me down, turn me down. Up a bit. <laughs> that's all right I, I could just be glamorous um, <laughs> stunning because it's personal relationship made loving and intimate because it's legal it is this way through voluntary mutual Binding promises and vows to be loving and to be faithful, no matter what the circumstances are. For us, nowadays, it's like a legal document. So you sign it, so I sign my marriage certificate, and that legal document is done from a place of love, but has legal implications if either I break it, or anything changes to it. But in the ancient East, they had different ways of doing that, they didn't have documents in the same way, they had more symbolic rituals to do it. And one of the symbolic rituals was kind of, Sounds weird, right? They would take basically bits of flesh and put them along the, along the floor. And the person signing the covenant, so to speak, would walk through it as a way of saying, if I was to break this, then I would become like this bits of flesh. Told you it's weird. Welcome to the ancient East. Like That's, that's kind of how they started to do things. That, that symbolic mechanism was to say, if I was to break this, I would take on the curse of the covenant. So covenant is really important, it's really important for us to actually know, I mean marriage obviously is really important, so a covenant is really important for us to understand. It's more than just a promise alone because it carried the weight of intentionality and responsibility. It is really important. But why? Why am I talking about it today? What's the point of me talking about it today? But well, what we read at the beginning of Genesis is that God creates a partnership with humanity. Yes. But in Genesis 3, that partnership is broken by the fall of man. Sin comes in, partnership breaks. And so the question remains, really in that moment, is what next? And what God does through prophetic words, he makes a promise kind of a promise of what's to come by basically saying, I'm going to restore this partnership. I'm going to restore this partnership that was once broken. Question is, how? How's this going to happen? And what God uses to speak with humanity is covenants. He speaks with different covenants written in the Bible across the biblical story as a way to kind of start saying that this partnership, this relationship is to be restored. He uses the terminology of covenant as a way to make promises towards man that man has responsibility to uphold towards God and how then this partnership, relationship is to be restored so actually it's really important from a biblical sense we understand covenant it's really important but I think it's better than just understanding the biblical story I think it actually helps us start to break a misconception about Christianity kind of misconception of christianity is this story of love but there is law and justice with it kind of saying that god loves everyone god loves all things god will always be with his people he will be close to you but then you've got the other side that people assume christianity which is god is this ruthless god that will doesn't like sin and this you know if you disobey him you're against him you you have this tension between love and law this assumption of christianity that god loves everyone but in the same way, God can only love certain people if you do certain laws and things. In fact, in one of the Psalms, in the same Psalm, it says that God will say, um, I will bless you if you obey these things. But in the same breath, he says, I will bless you no matter what. So how do we deal with this tension? How do we understand it? How do we deal with, I suppose, this stereotype about Christianity? Or another way of describing it, and maybe you've asked this yourself. Maybe you asked the same question. Is the blessings and love from God conditional or are they unconditional? You, you might ask that yourself when you talk about God's love. Is, is God's love, is God's blessings, conditional or are they unconditional? And I believe, as we just, as I unpack this relatively quickly, but giving it honouring time but not being restricted to it, as I look at this, we can appreciate, I've got Adam in we can appreciate covenant but we can also unpack that question that's where i'm going that's that's where i want to land let me pray and then we'll take it from there let me pray heavenly father i pray that i'll just be your vessel right now i can't do this without you i'll just pray holy spirit enable me to be here and i pray that as we look at this subject and hey god you would just begin this help us just speak truth and understand what your word says in your holy name amen Amen. Okay. Let us begin. We begin in Genesis 9 with the Noahic covenant. In fact, the first time we hear the word covenant in the Bible is in Genesis 6. It's actually to Noah, but the covenant, the promise that is made, is basically about directly to Noah to say, I'm going to protect you in the flood. So if you do this, you build the up, I'm going to directly protect you. But in Genesis 9, we have the moment where God promises to humanity. So it's no longer covenant with a single person, but it's with people. And he says this, let me read it. Then God said to Noah, to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you, and your offspring are after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off, By the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Fundamentally, what God is saying here is, humanity is evil. Humanity messed up. They will be disobedient. But I, I will never do this again. I will never use waters. I will never wipe all of humanity in one fell swoop in the same way. I'm making a covenant to you, not just a promise. I'm making a covenant with you that I will never do this again. Notice with this, when I said before that a covenant is about two or more parties, notice that God is making the covenant with Noah. Noah is not having to make any requirements, restrictions. Noah is not having to make any actions. God makes his covenant with Noah. And so what it kind of shows us is God is showing his faithfulness despite all that is going on. God's faithfulness is abounding, that he promises that he will be faithful regardless of everything else that kicks off. But truthfully, when I was kind of reading this and studying this, you might think the same thing, which is Jeeves. This doesn't change that tension. And I think you're right. I think you're right. We have the fact that God promises his faithfulness, but even if humanity disobeys, how then this tension of law and love, how is it settled? Well, we've got this understanding of um, God's wanting to be with his people, God's wanting to look after his family, but we need a clear solution on how. Well, the how starts to progress and starts to detail as we look at the next covenant. The next covenant is the Abrahamic covenant. It's the Abrahamic covenant we have later in Genesis. God calls Abraham, by that time Abram, before he gave him and his wife, um, Sarah, their new names. He calls them under a covenant, says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonours you, I will curse and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He promises that Abraham's descendants will become a great nation, a a great people, promises family and land. God calls Abraham to say, train them up in the way that is of the Lord. Train them up and I I will look after you. I will make you a great nation. This covenant is absolutely key. Because what, what God's saying is, I will choose you. I will make you a great nation so that I can help other nations be brought in. I will choose you as a family and I will choose you as my people so that I can bring all other families in. It's a covenant to start showing this process of the patching, starting to begin by saying, you, if you follow me, if you, I will establish you. And through you, through your lineage, I will then draw in someone to draw in all families. That—that's what this covenant is. Now, again, you might kind of be saying, "Yeah, but how? How is that possible? How could that be the case?" Even Abraham in Genesis 15 questions God. He just basically says, "God, I, you said you're going to make me a great nation. I'm old. Sarah's old." How are you going to do this? And what you have in Genesis 15, please read it. I'm not going to be able to give it justice to dive into it. But you have a moment where God basically takes the curse of the covenant. You have a moment where the flesh are laid out and Abraham basically is thinking, I'm going to have to walk this. And what you have is that God descends and walks the curse of the covenant. God is the one that signs the dotted line on behalf of humanity. He walks the curse of the covenant. He takes it on. What that means is God's saying, I will be torn to pieces if I, God, don't honour this covenant. But I will be torn to pieces if you, humanity, don't honour this covenant. It's remarkable. It's, it's, It's a phenomenal moment. I will bless you no matter what even if my immortality becomes mortal that's what that, that sign that um symbolic act means but truthfully even though i'm describing that even though i'm describing this all some moment it actually doesn't still answer that question of how how is this possible how can this covenant be detailed well we understand from a broader viewpoint how i will make you a great nation you will be my people but what about the details underneath that like on a marriage certificate i might sign something i might sign a document but the implications of it what does that look like we need to understand those details well in the next covenant we get that which is the mosaic covenant this is the one that comes after, the next covenant that is over the people. God makes a covenant with the whole tribe of Israel. Makes a whole, uh, makes a covenant with them all. I'm not going to read this all, but I've highlighted bits so you can see. In verse five, Now therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the others my mine. In Exodus 24, you have after kind of the recording of what, these kind of details are. Moses says, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. So, obvious question, what's the details? Well, between chapter 19 and between chapter 24, so 20 to 23, you have the details of what this covenant is. In fact, the famous part of this covenant is the Ten Commandments that is written in Exodus 20. That, that is kind of the famous thing that probably Sunday school kids would know very well. That is the, one of the key parts of the covenant. But from chapter 20 to 23, is what's detailed as the covenant or what is recorded down as the book of the covenant. And this was prized. This was precious to the people because it put down on paper, so to speak, the details of what this actually meant. I'm going to make you a great nation. Great. How? Well, if you follow these things. You follow what is detailed out. If you honor them, if you follow them. It was so priced and precious, actually, that as it was recorded, it was put in this beautiful container called the Ark of the Covenant and placed in what was called the Tabernacle, which was like the holiest of holies, where only certain people can meet with God. It was prized and precious. That is the question what if you don't honor that? Well, what God writes and what God says is he sets up this kind of idea of a mediator. Someone who could be a middle person to be able to help. And if you didn't go, did well or honor the book of the covenant, you had a mediator that would be in between to kind of help. And they, he used the tribe of, from Levi and he called a mediator a priest. And it's actually where we get the book of Leviticus from. The book of Leviticus was, is basically a set way to help priests understand aligning to the book of the covenant and to say, if something isn't right or something isn't correct, here are instructions to try and make yourself a little bit better or cleanse. One of the symbolic rituals is called the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement. Where basically all the people that failed or sin, all that kind of things, they would come to the priest and the priest would basically bring in a goat and it would be used as a bit, kind of a symbolic ritual that all these sins and shame be put on the goat where we get a scapegoat from, and that goat would be taken out of the city, taken out and slaughtered. This idea that actually this removal out of the town, all the sins and shame of the people are taken away and God has forgotten them. So we kind of have these symbolic rituals that would help that viewpoint. Helping people go from one side of the spectrum to the other. Kind of similar to this. Um, If we kind of imagine that humanity's life is on a scale of kind of zero, well, let's say minus 100, and that's kind of pure evil. Uh, Hitler level kind of evil, that's that's evil. Uh, And then we have kind of plus 100 on this side, which is kind of God's people. God's. People, mum, don't get upset with my, my handwriting. Okay, um, and what you would have is they would be on this kind of scale. So, let's say someone was here and they then broke the, one of the um uh, Ten Commandments says, Honor your mother and dad. So, they spoke ill of mother and dad and they, and they kind of go down a little bit, and then they would say, Oh, don't you know, don't lust over, them. and they would, don't be jealous. And kind of further down a little bit and what the day of retirement would do it would kind of say actually your tone for your sins they're forgotten and when it will kind of start jumping back to where they were before so kind of kind of there and slowly trying to get towards that side here's the problem with this scale here's the problem with it how do you get actually to this part how how do you get there it's all well and good being on the scale but if Christianity is kind of just consistently being on the scale, truthfully, if the covenant is saying as it is, how do you actually get to that side of being all God's people? How do you do that? And one of the things that we see is that there needs to be a permanent solution to this. There needs to be a saviour or a king. And that's what we get from the next covenant, the Davidic covenant. The covenant is a promise made to David to basically say, in your family line, in your lineage, I'm going to raise a king that kingdom will never end. I want your family lineage, I want your family line to be kings that honour who I am, to lead well, to lead well and understand the book of the covenant and to lead with justice and obedience. And I will raise up one king in your family line. I will raise up someone that their kingdom will never end. Here's the problem. If you, if you track the kings and the rest of the Old Testament, the majority of them basically obey, disobey, fall away. And that's what happens. We just have consistently this trend. In fact, we have a moment even in the... Um, In the Old Testament, where all the Israelites are basically exiled out of Babylon. They're exiled, they're sent out. God's got a way of saying, you are so disobedient, you need to be away from our presence. You have this moment. But, in the same moment, you have other books in the Old Testament, like Esther, Hosea, Nehemiah. Books that God is basically showing his promise and his protection to his people, even in exile. So this tension still remains. This tension is still there. Yes, God promises that one of David's sons will bring peace, will bring restoration, will bless this partnership. But until that's restored in full, or next? Beloved family, this is not and cannot be the end of the story of covenant. It cannot be the story of Christianity. Otherwise, we live in a horrific time where we can only be forgiven. We can only move a little bit further, but nothing more. It cannot be how it is. The God's promise is not fulfilled. So, what? Well, that's where we get the new covenant. Now, I'm certainly not going to read this all out. But the Old Testament in Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36, is detailed what this new covenant is. Let me summarize it in very briefly and crudely in three main points of what it's detailed here. One, I'll put the law in minds, in people's hearts. God, God will help people to learn what it is to be obedient. Two, I will be their God, they will be my people. Yeah. Doctrine it as God's people. Thirdly, I will forgive the wickedness and remember sins no more. There will be permanent forgiveness to sins. Okay, so on our scale, we have something else there. We have this kind of dotted line of kind of neutral, which is kind of forgiven. for And so what God's saying in the new covenant is this idea, okay, so we move from here over to here. hey, We're over here now. And we kind of do things to kind of be on this forgiven side. So, go to church. Like, we, we kind of go to church, we kind of move forward, but then... This problem of we disobey our parents still, still comes in. Okay, but you know, I, I might pray more. Yeah, prayer. That sounds good and I, I might go a little bit further, but then equally I might steal something. Or even in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount Ma- in Matthew, God says that if I steal something, or if I even think evil of someone, it's as if I killed them in the same way. So it still goes down. Okay, but like, I, I help people, I'm a good person, I help people, that kind of helps, that's nice. So I kind of go up, and then I buy an iPhone, so that's clearly silly. Um, that's, that's, that. that's That's What? Sorry, I can't that. That's clearly silly by there. Um, not calling if you've got an iPhone, silly this but check this out. Damn um, it. So, reality is, if we think like that in the New Covenant, here's the problem with this. What we've got on this side is exactly the same as what we've got on this side. There's no change, is there? There's no solution. If we think Christianity is a bunch of rules and regulations, I pray more, I read the Bible more, I help people, I teach people, but I still sin, I'm still living in the old covenant in this new bit. So truthfully, if we don't understand this properly, it's exactly living like the old covenant in the new covenant, kind of a middle covenant. But that can't be the case. It doesn't honour or appreciate the promise. In fact, Hebrews 8, it says, For if there's nothing wrong with the first covenant, no no covenant, no place would be sought after. But God found fault in the people. The reality is, what happens? What, what I what I've done. I like, see my, my siblings snigger because I definitely actually stole a ring from my sister when I was younger. But, like, if, 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 if I was like that, if for me, the problem with me, the problem with me is I don't always honour the covenant. That's the problem with me. That I sin, that I'm disobedient. I don't, I don't honour it. And therefore, if I'm living this bit, what I can think my mentality is, is I can do things to be better or to be, let's define it as good, but truth is I'll always feel negative, cynical, shameful and always keep going back if I'm thinking the same mindset. We keep being there. So what does this mean? Well it means we need something or someone to fulfill the covenants. We need someone who's in the lineage of Abraham, Israel and David. We need someone who has lived and upheld the book of the covenant. We need a mediator or a priest, an everlasting one. We need a king that won't be disobedient, but his kingdom will never end. We need a saviour that is going to honour and uphold all the four previous covenants, but then go further and live to the new covenant. Enter Jesus. Enter Jesus. He's in the lineage of Abraham, Israel and David, as detailed in Matthew. He upheld the book of the covenant. There was no sin or separation. God incarnate coming in human form, fully God, fully man. Jesus is the mediator to meet all the conditions of the old covenant and made a way to bring in, bring in a new family in the new covenant. He was the king creating a new kingdom, not by landmass but by people, by saying, I will bring in new people to my kingdom. Additionally, additionally, let alone all those conditions already, additionally, Jesus paid the ultimate offering to match all the previous covenants and all the previous symbolic rituals that were taking place. He, he honoured all of them. Jesus was taken out of the city, outside onto Mount Calvary, as a symbolic and forever scapegoat, drawn out and slaughtered on the cross to honor the Day of Atonement forever, Jesus' flesh was torn bit by bit to honor the curse of the covenant. If you track back what Jesus did, he honors all of the Old Testament rules and regulations that the previous covenant set through the walk of his body. This is what it means, right? This is what it means. If we if we come back to this bit here. When we say look i'm going to detail what the new covenant is this is what the new covenant actually is right here we go this is what the new covenant is you ready going to be a complicated diagram this is this is what the new covenant is bang that's what the new covenant is the new covenant is being god's people forever and forevermore. the new covenant it's not a continuum it's a condition It's not a process, it's a position. It's not a scale, it's a station that we live from and live out from. That's what it is. That's what it is. The new covenant is better because it's not based on better performance, but it's based on better promises. The old covenant was trying to justify, to restore the brokenness of man. The new covenant has restored man. The new covenant has adopted man as children that have already been justified by Christ. It's no longer a covenant based on work to try and patch up a relationship, it's a covenant on relationship that everything else pulls out from. Yes, That's what the new covenant is. When we see that it's written in Jeremiah 31, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more, with peace in the Hebrews 8. And it says in Hebrews 10, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first, the first covenant, in order to establish the second. And by that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Do you know what that means in the original Greek and Hebrew? I studied this greatly to be able to understand it. This is what it means. It means you are completely forgiven once and for all. It says where it's written. There's no caveat. There's no condition. No, no, no. The new covenant is you are completely restored. You are completely forgiven. You are God's people. That is it. Full stop. That's what the new covenant is. Every unrighteous act of mine has been consumed by one righteous act of Christ on the cross for all time. That's what it is. Yes, my behaviours might affect the reality, but my behaviours don't change them. That's what it means. Let me come into that. And as I do so, let me come back to our original question. The ultimate blend of law and love. is the question. Is God's blessing and love conditional or unconditional? Here's the answer. Yes. 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 Jesus fulfilled the conditions of the law so that through his sacrificial death I can be loved unconditionally that's what it means Jesus earned the blessing and through his sacrificial death he fulfills the curse of the covenant he fulfills the condition of the covenant so that I am am forever and truly loved unconditionally that's what that means Therefore, if I choose to believe in Jesus, if I choose to be brought into relationship with him, not rules anymore, but if I choose to be in relationship with him, adopted by him, in his lineage, as he, as my mediator, I am loved unconditionally once and for all. Amen. Until this is grasped, we will either see this Christian God, our God, as out to get you, or that he's unbothered. We'll either see this Christian God as someone who's very liberal, and us being very liberal, which is, yeah, I know, I've not done this, but God loves me, so it doesn't really matter. Or we'll see this Christian God as conservative. Yeah, I know God loves you, but you haven't done this, this, and this, and this. We either fall into moralism or relativism. Here's the important part. Here's, here's the answer to that. We take the Bible seriously. We honour the Bible. We take the Book of the Covenant seriously. Why? Because well, Jesus died for it. Je- Jesus died for that Book of the Covenant. So we take it seriously. We honour it. That's what one of the values as a church is: we honour the Bible. We take the Word seriously. But if we fail, no, no, when we fail. I have no condemnation and I am loved unconditionally. That's the difference. That's the difference. My obedience is becoming like God, but it's not earning my way to God. That's the difference. That's the Christian story. That's how the tension is dealt with. I've got to resist sin like crazy. I want to become more like God. But there's no condemnation when I fall into it. Let me use an example as I come to my very end. When uh, Catherine and I started getting to know each other and started dating, she told me, hey, I'm allergic to hazelnuts, almonds and walnuts. Now, if I turned up with a, a massive jar of Nutella as we were dating and said, hey, I've made you a meal. Here's Nutella. It would have gone down well. She would have taken our EpiPen, stabbed her, in her leg and we would be off to the hospital. Like That's how that's serious the allergy is. Her, Rejection allergy to hazelnuts is one of her conditions, or another way of saying it is the law of Catherine. It's one of the things on, on that, right? Now, when we got married, a new covenant was formed. Has that changed that condition? I.e., if I turn up home to our house with JJ, she's telling JJ, and I say, hey love, now that we're married and we're in a new covenant, here's a giant her go up." Like, do you think that would go down well? No! That condition hasn't changed. In fact, the more loving thing for me to do is to say, actually, before I was able to eat Nutella, but now I'm going to avoid hazelnut almonds and walnuts because I want to enjoy my wife. If I eat it, I can't kiss her, and so I'm not going to eat it because I want to enjoy her. That's what I get as a new covenant. That condition, that character of Catherine hasn't changed. Same with God. There's no Old Testament, New Testament God. The God's heart has been the same. And because God's heart is the same, then we've got to honor the covenant. We've got to honor it. But that doesn't change the fact that the way into God has changed. Yes. The relationship yes. has changed. Yes. Ultimately, I'm not living in the new I'm not living in the old covenant anymore. I'm not frozen by process, I'm not frozen by restriction, I'm not frozen by rules and regulations. I'm free from relationship to fall more in love with this God and to honour him with all of me. That's the difference. Even better than that. When I fail, when I sin, when there's shame, the things that I cannot forget, God doesn't even remember that's the difference what's wonderful about this is that it's a very simple and easy process similar to words that we were declaring for the boys it's the same thing three main words sorry thank you please sorry for the life that i've been living sorry for how i've been thank you jesus that you saved me and you brought me in to become one of your people Please help me to live a life that is fully relationship with you to honour you and all of me. That's it. It's a very simple process to go away from somewhere where it's of the old covenant and living forever, unconditionally loved in the new covenant. Do you understand me? <sighs> going to take a moment because um, I think it's really important just to honour one another. Well, I just want to give the opportunity to people that if you want to make that choice to live in the new covenant, if you want to make that choice to choose Jesus, I want to give. I think it's really important that we give opportunities like that. So if it's okay, if you could close your eyes just to honour everyone around you. You might be reflecting on something as I've said. I'm just going to pray a prayer and if you want to pray this prayer for the first time with me today, then you are so welcome. God is gentle and loving in heart because he established a new covenant for us through his death on the cross. If you want to pray the words after me, please feel free. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. I want you to take a few moments of things that might just be on your conscious right now, might just be brought to mind. Please forgive me. And now I turn for everything that I know is wrong. And I turn to a relationship with you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. That I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness. And the gift of your spirit and now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 If you uh, prayed that prayer for the first time, then I would love to speak with you. I would love to celebrate <laughs> for you coming into this new covenant. So if you pray that prayer for the first time, please, I'll stand around at the point. I'd love to speak with you. If you have any questions about Christianity and things like we've run a course called Alpha. But um, Adam, Ian and I, we would love to just chat with you and talk more about um, Christianity with you. Okay, thus end this, our time together. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, if you have kids that have gone down for kids work, uh, please get them. Uh, we don't, we don't want to laugh them. Um, but, but more so, just have a great Sunday. Mothers and uh, all the women of the church, I just want to say on behalf of the church, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for raising all of us and all of our children as well. And uh, I pray that you have a blessed day being remembered, whether you are... A physical mom a biological mum, or whether you are a spiritual mum, whatever it might be, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Be blessed. Enjoy your Sunday. Bravo.